Welcome to Season 2 from A Lancashire Lass with me, Lucy Baxter. Joining me today is a very special guest, one of my best friends, um, Anna Cookson. Um, Anna is a trained actor-musician, so we're going to be talking all about that and how she got into um going to London and performing and training down there. But also we're going to talk about um the humanitarian work Anna does and also a new project that she's just set up. So we've got loads to chat to Anna about. So welcome to the podcast, Anna. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks, Lucy. This is so exciting. I want you to take me back to when you were younger and have you always been into sort of the acting and singing music side or how did that come about? So I I always have been, but I think, I mean, I you probably remember when I was 10, I played Annie in a local amateur production. And that's kind of the first time that I'd ever done anything like that, but I absolutely loved it. And I just think because of where I grew up, obviously very far away from London, there wasn't, I didn't really know anybody that had kind of gone into acting I didn't actually think that you could just decide that you wanted to go into acting I, I thought it was just something that I know people were born into um so I always enjoyed it and I always I've been I've played like musical instruments since I was really young but I don't think I ever really seriously considered it as something that I'd want to take further mm. until I was quite a bit older so I remember watching you in Annie and I because I think before that you were I think you were quite relatively shy, maybe. Um and then when you were in Annie, I remember me and Mum had got tickets and we were watching you at the back and afterwards we were like, This girl is gonna make it. Like you were so good. Like you had to deal with Sandy the dog that was just not doing what it wanted, you know, not doing <laughs> what you wanted it to do. And I remember, was it like the Lancaster Gazette or something? And it was like the new Eddie Redmayne's just arrived and it like quoted you as the new like the next and me like it was when Eddie Redmayne was like in everything wasn't it and mm-hmm. it quoted you as like the next him and so I was always like dead excited for you and from that moment did you always write I want to go and study acting or did you what kind of process did you work through to then end up going off to London so I think it was a bit later on um because obviously when I did that when I was younger I just yeah like I said I just didn't really think that it was something that I could do I I had no idea I didn't know anybody that was an actor I don't think I even knew anybody that knew anybody that was an actor it, it just felt like such a detached world so it was only when I started doing school shows when I was kind of 14 15 and I met a few it was it was mainly actually sixth form students in the show and a few of those um who I'm actually still really good friends with now, some of them, they were kind of in the process of looking into drama school. And I didn't even know that that was a thing. I didn't know you could just kind of decide to go to drama school and apply an audition. So as soon as I heard that that was something that they were considering, I was like, oh, maybe this is something that you can just do. Mm. Um, Obviously, it's not quite as simple as that. Um, Drama school auditions are a crazy intense process, but... I think it was that that kind of planted the seed of 
I remember from then on it would be kind of like ICT lessons and I'd be like secretly like looking at drama schools in a tab whilst I was meant to be I don't know doing my spreadsheet or something <laughs> um, yeah. so I remember it was always something that I kind of toyed with from that point but even then I think until I actually went there was still a big part of my brain that was like this is just not gonna happen because again I, I had no concept I didn't know anybody that had ever done that really so you mentioned obviously the audition process is very intense um there's obviously there's drama schools up north as well but I feel like if you want to be where you want to be it's in London it's like if you want to be a, a, a journalist you, it's either London or Media City it's it's the two hubs or it's you know where where it all happens the West End um so wh- why don't you talk me through the the audition process to get in because oh I just hate it <laughs> I hate is it, yeah. It is it like is sick. it like um I don't know if you watch Big Bang Theory, but like Penny, she auditions. I've never watched it. I can I I've I can imagine it's probably like it it's definitely not glamorous. Um I think I was a lot of people actually audition and apply several years in a row. Um and so I was kind of prepared for that because I'd heard of that. But then at the same time, there was a part of me that was also like, I don't think I could do this for three years. Um, mm-hmm. I knew that I wanted to be in London. Like you said, I just always loved London as a city. And obviously growing up kind of in the Lancashire countryside, I just I just wanted to kind of get to London. Mm-hmm. Um, so so what, do you have basically, to do? what do you have to do in the audition? Like talk me through, like, so you, you get there. So it depends on the school. Um, generally, a lot of them were kind of a workshop, which was quite nice. Because um, that, I, I don't know, I felt like it was a little bit less daunting to kind of have a bit more of a creative, longer period to kind of show what you can do. But generally, it was that you had to have a few monologues, a few songs. Um, for the actor musician courses that I was auditioning for, you had to have pieces on your instruments um which I, I find that really difficult like I, I only did drama like I didn't do drama GCSE I did it at AS for one year and then I dropped it so I didn't I didn't really have huge amounts of experience doing things like that and I kind of didn't really know what I was doing I had no idea what I was doing um and obviously it's a big it feels like such a big investment of time and money because some of them had regional auditions, but generally I did have to go to London or at least to Manchester. Um, and obviously there's so much resting on this like one hour mm. where within that really you've got five minutes to kind of sing a song and do your monologue. And from that, they decide. It felt at the time like they were deciding uh, your kind of like worth, but I, I don't think it is necessarily that deep, but it, it does definitely feel like that, especially for me, it was my first time kind of really going to auditions. And and what in terms of like is there a load of other people auditioning at the same time? And if that's the case, like how I wouldn't like so I tap dance and I don't know how I'd feel about doing it in front of everyone. Like that barrier that you must have to try and be better than everyone. How do you break that kind of awkwardness? So I think in a way I quite liked everyone. I like I have to say everybody that I met in the process was amazing. I think there is kind of part of you that thinks it's going to be like really competitive and everyone's like giving each other death stares across the room. Not like that at all. Like generally everybody was so kind of, we're in this together, which which is really nice. And in a way I did find it quite 
motivating to sit through and watch people it kind of got me into the zone watching other people do it and do really well and it made me be like I really want to get up there and do really well um and also I found it quite interesting just kind of seeing the material that people were doing um and the choices that they were making so I think I kind of tried to look at it like that rather than there's all these people that I have to perform to and actually in a way it felt less daunting I think being in a room say of I don't know 30 people in the same boat as you getting up yeah. than it did going into a room where there's a panel of like six or seven like theatre professionals what like it, in a way it actually felt less daunting doing it to more people in a kind of less formal way yeah. and so you got in at Mount View which is like a really prestigious school drama school down in London talk to me about your um like your experience there, like what you learn, what, what, I mean, I don't feel like everyone can be an actor, you know, I don't, I don't agree with that, you know, I don't know, I don't agree with like, literally anyone could just read a line, and they'd be good at it, because like you, like you had to study this for three years, you had to understand different accents, different, like how to do, I don't know, sad, happy, all those different things, and I, I think it's a bit like, offensive when someone be like oh anyone can do that oh you don't need to go you know to uni to do that like what are your thoughts on on that I do think there's definitely there is like a theory behind it which I think that was a big learning curve for me because I think I'd always just when I'd done like shows I just kind of done it read the lines kind of learned the lines in a certain way that made sense of what I was saying but it is a lot kind of deeper than that and a big thing that was kind of a running thing through my training was the idea of detail and that kind of like detail aids belief was like a famous famous thing one of our teachers said a lot but I do think that's so true it's kind of obviously in theatre you're, you're trying to kind of replicate human beings and reality and in order to do that you know human beings are very nuanced things <laughs> um and so I think the, like the amount of work that goes into even just one scene and the amount of time and the amount of different layers that goes into what does when it's done well just look like somebody on stage delivering some lines um there's so much that I just had never thought came into it that actually now I recognise as the things that makes a performance really effective and really good, basically. Yeah, I mean, I 100% agree. I mean, I love going to the um, the West End and I recently went to watch Mary Poppins and um, like ZZ Strelin in there, I'm trying to get her on the podcast. She's absolutely <laughs> incredible. Like the way the way she's she can flip from one character to another and then she went and did another production recently and then she went right back to Mary Poppins and it's like you're able to just it's a it's a real real talent um so yeah what was your time like at Mountview um it was really difficult I think I look back on it fondly but also I'm not sure whether I'd want to go back and do that again um because it's so intense like you were saying about like ZZ Stralin like I think a big part of it is building stamina and that's kind of physical stamina and emotional stamina and kind of mental stamina. Um, you're kind of like, oh, it was often compared to like training as an athlete. Obviously, I don't think I'd be a great athlete at all. Um, but it, 
it is that kind of it's very intense and I think the stuff that I learn and the things that I was kind of my eyes were open to I you know I'm so grateful for but equally it was very even just the hours were so taxing it was kind of it's not like a kind of regular uni experience I don't think in that we would start at 9am every day and finish at six and we'd have classes it it was kind of like two hour classes which in which you have to be very switched on it's not kind of sitting listening it's very active you're having to contribute a lot often physically exhausting Um, and then on top of that there's so much prep that you have to do for kind of rep classes performance classes Um, that again isn't just learning lines it's kind of often really detailed work we often got like kind of homework like you were saying before about accents like that's quite it's not academic as such but like it was kind of a a bit more like traditional what you might expect like homework to be um and that you'd often have like a few days to prepare something so even though we finished at six normally I wouldn't leave till at least seven um sometimes I'd be going in earlier in the morning to practice um the whole way through second year I was going in most Saturdays just because I liked obviously it's really hard when you're living in a tiny like London house that you can afford as a student barely um it's not like you've got loads of space to practice you're kind of just sat on your bed trying to like do a really physical monologue so I used to go in every Saturday to make use of the gorgeous studios that they have in our new building in Peckham um so it was it was basically my whole life which I think becomes difficult because then everything feels so high stakes and it's kind of you put so much into something that when it is the day of your assessment if it doesn't go quite as well as you wanted it to it feels like everything's crumbling because that's like that's your whole world which I don't think is necessarily healthy so I feel like maybe if I were to do it again which I don't think I would I would want to have a bit more of a balance I think um because there wasn't a lot of work-life balance no it is a career though that is is your life isn't it I mean the performances are at evening matinee it's it's all it takes over for sure what about when you've so you've obviously you graduated from Mountview talk to me about what's the process transitioning from drama school into the industry and like are agents involved how do you get auditions like how does that all work and I presume that there's more actors than jobs yeah definitely um 100% I think it's something I don't even know the figure it's something like 90% of actors are out of work at any one time I might have completely but it's it's high um and obviously it didn't help for me that I graduated in 2020 basically in the middle of a pandemic so my training was actually cut short by the first lockdown Mm. um and so we were basically obviously we'd I'd been terrified the whole three years about graduating before I even knew that a pandemic was on the table um just because going from the kind of security and the routine of knowing that every day you're getting to be creative and you're getting to do what you want to do to going to potentially not not having it set in stone that you're ever going to get to do that again um and then add to that a pandemic and an industry that kind of doesn't exist at that moment was really weird. And I think it's probably not the typical transition that you might have had 
a few years ago from drama school into the industry. Um, so for us, it meant because of the lockdown, our showcase was cancelled. So we had to do it all online. Um, so that was kind of, I was in my kitchen filming monologues and songs. And I mean, I hate watching myself on video, so <laughs> it wasn't really enjoyable. Um, and then that was sent out to a huge list of agents and casting directors and producers. And I think it was quite a good system because it meant that people that wouldn't have traditionally come to the showcase in person were able to see our work. So I think obviously there are huge positives as well. Um, so through that, I got an agent. We had a meeting over Zoom. And then I started getting self-tapes through, um, but obviously not really many at all because there was still a pandemic. And the ones that I did have were often like, we're not sure whether this project's going to go ahead. So we're mm. auditioning people, but don't get your hopes up because there's a high chance that it won't even reach the kind of first stages of production. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's tough, I think, anyway. And I think add to that a pandemic and... Even tougher. It, it was, yeah. So why do you like the creative aspect so much? Like, why do you enjoy acting? Well, I think, and I think since graduating and since, as I just explained, the kind of pandemic and realizing how kind of tenuous it was I think I just like creative things in general and I just I think I just like the arts and I think it's kind of expanded to that and I think initially it was acting because that's kind of what I was good at in school you know relatively and I loved the idea of kind of creating this, this like detailed world in which anything that you wanted to could happen and I loved going to the theatre because it felt like I was watching somebody else's view of the world, which I think is something that I'm always like, I wish I could see the world through somebody else's eyes. And I feel like in theatre, that's kind of the closest we have to that. Yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of why I was drawn to acting. Um, and so if you if you were, I don't know, if you could have any any role in like any West End show, what would you want to be? What would you want to be for? So I think like since doing the acting musician course, I now I didn't really know what it was before, but I love acting musician work now. And I think I'd want to do something that is that kind of style. Um, I saw Amelie on the West End last year and I just thought it was stunning. Um, I'd love to be in something like that. I, I like things that are kind of a little bit quirky. Um, I I could see you as the um I don't know who it was but in Les Mis you know the girl who cuts her hair who was like Anne Hathaway in the film. Mm. Oh, see, I I mean I'd love to be in Les Mis. Um, I don't know if that would match my skill set exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I at the same time, I'd like <laughs> anything, I probably wouldn't say no to things. But I I am particularly interested in things that are quite have a social message I guess or kind of more of a not necessarily like explicitly political but mm. things like I guess Labour's does um I love there's a play there's a it's kind of like a musical called Ghost Quartet 
-hmm. which is an actor muso like four person musical that's not that famous actually but I absolutely loved it and the kind of themes that it explores are so random but really cool really philosophical what do you think about um the industry as a whole in terms of like at auditions so like if we're taking Disney as well and like if you want to be a Disney princess or if you want to be and also taking into account like roles on stage they're obviously very they judge you physically don't they like they're not gonna have a really 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 obese person as Mary Poppins even if that person is the best singer sat dancer you know actor ever they they want someone with dark hair who's thin like with Disney if you want to be Tinkerbell they need someone with blonde hair who's small and thin like do you think there's a lot of issues around weight and lot of appearance in theatre more because there's these judgments yeah I think that there definitely is and I think it's getting better in some parts of the industry I think you know there've been amazing kind of revivals of of for example there's one at Regent's Park I didn't actually get to see of Legally Blonde Mm -hmm. that was an incredibly for Legally Blonde which I think is traditionally quite a very white show as it was kind of produced traditionally and they assembled this amazing diverse cast um which I think was so refreshing and mm. such a big step for the industry because Regent's Park is obviously a really high profile season every summer um but at the same time I do think there is still ingrained this idea of you know you are a product and part of that is your aesthetic as a product obviously part of your product is your kind of skill and your experience and your talent but part of that product is also the way you look and the sorts of roles that that limits you to um so I think there is a lot of work to be done but at the same time I do think that more and more we're seeing really refreshing casting choices and I think that's a really positive thing that I hope carries on yeah um so obviously after the pandemic um well we're kind of I think we're still in it or near the end of it or maybe it's gone I'm, I'm not I don't <laughs> Who know knows? I don't know what the, the good old Rona likes to do to us all but um you have recently taken on more sort of humanitarian and, and vol- voluntary roles so um we had your lovely mum on a few weeks ago and she owns Woodcroft Crafts and you do a lot of the children's shows there um, for the children in, in the area who like want to go and like see the garden and see the fairies and the twigs and things. Um, you've also been to France and that was, I think this is really like interesting from your, from obviously your point of view and you being there. So why don't you talk to me a little bit about what you did in France and Calais? so yeah I'm actually going back in a few days which is really exciting um I basically went out there in February as a volunteer um for an organization called Project Play that basically runs play sessions every day of the week in the informal sites I guess where displaced people are living um who are essentially trying to cross the channel to get to the UK 
So it's a hugely politically charged situation. It's a devastating situation, really. And I I actually first encountered the situation in a play when I was in first year. I went to watch a play called The Jungle. Amazing play. That was about the situation a few years ago when it was kind of allowed by the state to build up a little bit more than it is now. Um, and I kind of was just so struck by how the, the so so much I, I mean I'm pretty speechless when I try to talk about it because it's it's so emotionally charged I think as well but the people that you meet there and the resilience and the hope and the humanity and hospitality of people that go out there um to provide things that the French state are failing to provide things like water and food um, and shelter. So I always knew from watching that play and kind of first really finding out a bit more about the situation that I wanted to go out there. And then obviously I was training and I couldn't and the pandemic happened and I couldn't. And this was kind of the first time that I was like, I've got a window. There's a minimum time to volunteer for project play for two months. And I was like, great, I'll go. Um, ended up staying for nearly three months, but I had to leave because since Brexit, we're only allowed 90 days in the Schengen area at a time. So I'm going back in a few days as a coordinator, which is really, really exciting because it's kind of exactly what I want to be doing in terms of combining my kind of creative background and kind of bring facilitating the arts really into an environment that I'm really passionate about I guess so you, you're talking about what people would know as like the jungle in Calais aren't you that kind of site yeah. um exactly and so talk to me about like the people there a bit more like where where they're from but also like the children like what you do with the children so the people that we work with um are when I was there they were generally Kurdish people um and I as far as I was able to tell obviously there's huge language barriers so we're not able to communicate as freely as I guess we'd like um a lot of them were from Iran um and but equally there were a lot of children from Afghanistan um which I think I, I was quite surprised to see because obviously these are people that are not able to get safe routes um, to seek asylum, basically. So they're having to take horrifically treacherous journeys across the world, across the ocean in a dinghy, essentially, which is horrific on so many levels. Um, but that was kind of the most people that we worked with in terms of the families um there are a lot of men um unaccompanied men which I think is for a lot of reasons a lot of that is also cultural a lot of people will kind of not be not want to bring their families over so they'll come over first and hope that they'll get settled and then bring their families later but equally some of them um, did bring their families over. So we were seeing probably about, I'd say an average of 100 different children per month um, in the sites. 
So basically we would go, we're a mobile service. So we go five or six afternoons a week to the main site, um, which is literally an informal camp. Um, it's kind of along a railway line. And we would set up, we'd bring our gazebo, we'd bring all our activities, we'd kind of plan our sessions quite thoroughly to make sure that we're kind of providing activities that attempt to kind of mitigate some of the trauma and provide opportunities for agency and collaboration and communication and really kind of key skills that these children are missing out on. Um, and set up our gazebo, set up the activities, run a kind of three hour play session, and then pack up and go. Um, and it was, it's an, it, I think it's, it's an amazing place in terms of the organizations that work there, but also the people that are living there and the things that they're, the conditions that they're surviving in. So what's, what's your safety like there, you know, in terms of with the French police and authorities and, and, um, and like actually there, because I imagine that with all the people that there are there, there will be sometimes little conflicts or little or violence between possibly the lone males or people that are there. I can imagine that there's sometimes friction. Like, what's your safety like there? So I think we're not really a target, um, but equally we it's it's obviously it is a very precarious situation. Um, so we have, I think that's part of the reason as well that a lot of organizations have a minimum time to volunteer because the kind of training is quite comprehensive as it should be um, before you go out onto the field um and we do have an evacuation procedure which we ha we have had to use and what, um, would, what not would that because be we so that would basically involve somebody alerting the team to a potential danger which again is never directed at us but equally we've got to kind of put our safety and also the children's safety first and if the situation a, a nearby situation is is getting a little bit too much we it's not appropriate really for us to be running the session anymore um and normally that just involves kind of packing down and leaving before we we normally would um and making sure the children are kind of returned back to their tents and their parents um so obviously it is it's a you know it's a humanitarian like field context so it's not it's it's an it's an unpredictable environment basically but equally in saying that I always felt really really safe in terms of the training that I had confident in the vigilance of the team and it was always very much we went every afternoon basically so that's when the all the organizations really are there so you're not on your own even as an organization there's a lot of volunteers um there's a lot of kind of support tents around and and the kind of the environment every afternoon when the organizations are there is is quite lively and quite um it felt relatively safe con considering the yeah. context that we're working in um and so also recently so you've you've come back from from Calais at the moment but you said you you're planning to to go back there in a few a few days um Tell me about this new project you've started, Moon Sprout Productions. That sounds very exciting. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's still, it's obviously very early days, but I've kind of played with the idea for a while of starting my own company. Um, obviously I've done kind of loads of bits and bobs of like freelance work with children and creative work with children. And I love it. 
I think, you know, children are so open to creative play and creative activities and I love working with children. And, and you've, you've done a lot of um, kids' parties as well, like acting and... Yeah, exactly. I've been doing that for quite a few years and um, and I, I love it, but I work through a company and through an agency and I've got so many ideas that I kind of want to start doing things on my own, um, not necessarily parties. Um, so obviously, as you know, Lucy, I am my mum's business, Woodcroft Crafts, um, has been quite a nice platform for me to do workshops and some kind of interactive, very small scale um, theatre pieces. I guess we did one last year um, that kind of used the characters in the garden and it's kind of like a story music walk. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've really enjoyed doing that. And obviously, because she's already got her clientele, that was quite a nice environment to try things out in. Um, and I think it was really well received by the the people that we had. Um, so obviously, that's going to be on a little bit of a pause when I'm back in France. But and I'm not I, I'm not entirely sure which direction it's going to go in. But I kind of the big thing that I want to focus on is kind of inclusion in the arts and accessibility in the arts because I think that's really important and I think that the impact that the arts is able to make particularly on children at a point when they're obviously so impressionable and so able to kind of be exposed to possibility and ideas and perspectives and empathy Mm. um I kind of want to focus on that so whether that is kind of more of the same kind of interactive musical theatrical experiences um I'm 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 big on kind of agency and interactivity so I think more so than kind of a show where the children sit nicely in the front row and listen it's more likely to be kind of a playful collaborative process I love that um, which I think is really important and actually that's a big part of what I was doing and what I will be doing in France so obviously that's a separate organization but I think kind of it's it's the same kind of sentiment um that I really want to work towards so where do you see yourself in like 10 years time I know that's like such an interview question but like what's your dream or your like your goal so I think I mean you know me Lucy I'm all over the place <laughs> and I think I I, I really want to do a bit of like everything so I think on one hand I'd I'd love to kind of work because obviously actors notoriously have to have like a day job because acting work is so unpredictable and I'd love for that to be in some kind of learning curation or arts facilitation in London because obviously there's so much scope for that in London and there's some amazing organizations and galleries and I'd love to kind of work programming and planning Mm-hmm. kind of interactive activities for learning and for families and schools um but I'd also like to be making art directly and making theatre whether that's through Moonsprout um obviously I through like Mountview I, I know loads of amazing people who I'd love to collaborate with um and kind of make some of our own theatre that reaches children and families that yeah you know it would make a huge impact for 
um but I'd also love to be in you know a show like we were saying before like um an actor muso production and kind of it's one of the things that's really nice about that is meeting other creative people who are obviously normally really interesting really great people and kind of building that pool of creatives that you're working with and being inspired by I mean you'll make it I have no doubt you've got such a good heart and like a heart for for children and and for teaching and helping and playing so I know you'll do that um finally if people want to kind of follow along like your moon sprout what's your instagram handle that people can follow so it is at moon sprout productions amazing um, so yeah hopefully watch the space really for the next few months well I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast it's been such a interesting and exciting chat and I think like all the different areas that you do work at absolutely incredible um so yeah thank you again thank you Lucy for having me it's been lovely thanks for listening and we'll see you next week To keep up to date with all things from a Lancashire Lass, follow on Facebook and Instagram at from a Lancashire Lass.